Hi, I'm Leslie Parmeter from Kleinman Performance Partners, and I welcome you to the Kleinman Connect podcast, where we share valuable insights from the eye care business world with optometrist owners and staff members to help address challenges, achieve their goals, and transform their practice. In today's episode, I am joined by two of our network partners, Dr. Kim Skiles and her husband, Dr. Jeff Binstock, optometrists and owners of Redmond Eye Clinic in Redmond, Washington. Welcome. I'm so glad you both can join us today. Hello. Thank, Thank you for you. having us. Yeah. Now we're going to kick things off with a little bit of history. You joined Climate Performance Partners back in November of 2018. What prompted you both to join initially? Yeah. So we bought our practice at the beginning of 2018. I had been working at the practice for about three years before and ended up buying it from the owner who was kind of getting phased out. And when we purchased the practice, we realized that we were left a practice that was not in the best uh, state. Let's just say that it was declining. I kind of knew that when we purchased it, but we knew it had a lot of potential. And when we joined the ADO buying group, that's when we got some information about the Climate Performance Network and an invitation down to do immersion and just kind of see what the experience was about. And I'll tell you, that experience was eye-opening, no pun intended, I guess. When we went down, just talking with some of the groups that had been in there for a long time, we kind of saw our future. We saw what we could be, and it was really, really exciting. One of the things that we talk about now, um, looking back on our experience with climate, is it really gave us kind of two fundamental components to what we do in our practice now. The first is perspective. When you are owning your own small business, and this is like any business, not just optometry, you are in your own little world and the challenges that you go through, the difficulties, the struggles, and even the successes and all the good stuff, it just is, you know, within your own little bubble, you don't really have any perspective that other people maybe are having these same issues and that it's not just you. And that was something being able to go and network with other practices and just talk about your issues, talk about your successes and just see that you're not alone. You have other people that are going through it as well was, I mean, that's worth the membership just in itself. The other thing was the knowledge that you get about your business. I remember being at the very first immersion and I think we had Amanda in there and she drew kind of the circles where it was like the top left was like the things, you know, you know, and then the things that, you know, you don't know. And then the things you don't know that, you know, and then the big one on the bottom, right? The things you don't know that you don't know. That's the danger. We run our businesses and we don't know what we don't know. And the climbing group is really about moving stuff from that I don't know what I don't know into, okay, now I at least know I don't know it. And then even working towards fixing it and just the knowledge of that was everything for us. So Dr. Skiles, I can tell you want to chime in on this one. So go ahead. Yeah, you could tell really right away. It was like, okay, I can learn to deal with some of the issues that are just stressing us out from owning the business. And we'd only owned it for a year and a little bit, you know, we are young owners. And so that was one thing that everybody always kind of commented on was you're starting so early. And <laughs> I think we just didn't want to make the same mistakes that everybody else had made. And so if we could learn how to do things right the first time. <laughs> it's always easier to learn from the mistakes of others, for sure. No doubt about that. Now, moving forward, 
I understand that in 2021, you both began working more extensively with Climb and Consulting just to set a clear vision for growth and develop your team culture. What did that work and energy result in? Yeah, I think that was the part of our practice that we were probably the youngest in, if I can put it that way, and that we had a lot to learn on. So, you know, we had our our own vision of what we wanted our practice culture to be like. And I think that what people think you need to do to accomplish that is not what you actually need. And we learned that we needed to set up systems of delegation. We needed to set up clear expectations, you know, we're always going to be friendly and have a good work environment, but it's not just being friends at work. You know, we still have to set those expectations. We have to have clarity. Communication was something that we worked on quite a bit. Learning kind of the psychology of how to improve your team and how to set up the hierarchy. I don't really like that word, but I can't think of a different one right now. But maybe the roles of each person. Maybe that's the word you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the the different roles that everybody's going to play in getting the job of patient care done and the job of having a successful business done. That was probably right. the biggest things that we clarified. And speaking of success, how have your key performance indicators changed over the years? Yeah. When we first went to those climate meetings and, you know, every meeting after that, benchmarking is a huge part of what we do now. The numbers are your success. It's your health of the practice. And one of the things that we did very early on is when we learned about how to track all those indicators and what they meant, and then seeing how your day-to-day influences all of those, we started looking at it like blood values. Imagine your business is your body and the key performance indicators are you going and getting your vitals and your blood values done at the doctor. And some things are going to be too low and you need to raise them. Some things are going to be too high and you need to lower them. And some things are going to be right where they should be. And you need to do more of that. And we kind of started structuring our practice around trying to get all of those benchmarking levels You know, at first when we started, we wanted just to get them to an acceptable level where we could show up at the meetings and (laughs) not cower in the corner. Right. Um, And then when we started seeing it working and really during complete care and and with the help of everybody at the climbing group, we changed the way we practice and the way that we see patients and the way our flow is and our services and specialties to trying to hit those top 10 percents in as many as we could. And it was really funny at the last meeting, we pulled up our 2019 numbers against to what our new numbers were. And just seeing the change was just amazing to see. Did it really hit home for you at that point where you thought, hey, all this hard work is paying off? Yeah, from where we came from, it was just it was night and day. I don't remember what it was that like during the meeting that we were talking about that we said, well, you should see where we started and then we pulled them up. I think it was, we had, you know, new members. We had some emerging people in our group and some younger members into the network. And we just wanted to show them that, hey, we were where you were. And that if you just give yourself time and come in with an open mind, actually follow through with some of the things that you say you're going to do and do the work, it's not going to happen just by itself. You got to do the work. You can get there. And we're proof of that. Right. Accountability is a big part of it, isn't it? 
Yeah. 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 I would say another part of it is that there were a lot of things that we, a lot of information and tips that we'd gotten from our group members and even from members of the Kleinman team, like Amanda, where it was a little scary to take the steps <laughs> to try to change those numbers. Like we crunched our schedule. We were seeing patients on the same days together and they said, nope, split it up, do it so that you have admin time versus patient time. And that was a little scary at right. first, but that's been our schedule now for the last couple yeah. of years. And that's allowed us to stay home with our daughter on certain days of the week. So yeah, it can be scary, but it's for the better. <laughs> it right. allows you to just understand what the numbers mean. And again, how your day-to-day influences those numbers. And it allows you to look at the schedule and look at your bank account and say, I can take a two-week vacation and it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I think COVID showed that to us a little bit because it forced it. But looking and saying like, you know, if we work smarter, we don't have to work harder. And it's not necessarily about a butt in the chair, but it's the right butt in the chair and doing the right thing with the patient in the chair and not just what we've done in optometry for, you know, a century. Sure. Now, you two have incorporated a number of specialties in your practice. What kind of impact has that had? I think one of our biggest values that has been key in moving our practice forward is to always be on the cutting edge of what optometry can do. Our patients see it and the patients that do value that, they come back for it. You know, I'm constantly talking to my patients in the room about how we have the newest toy or the newest gadget and basically all of these things just help in their patient care. I think that specialties, they differentiate you so that you're doing something that is worth coming back for and paying extra for. And on the other side of it, it makes the job just more enjoyable and more fun. You know that you're doing something more than just what anybody else might do. And so I think those are the two biggest things for me is that, you know, it's going to be good for your practice, but then it's just your day-to-day as an optometrist is much more exciting and less boring. Right. Right. I have to imagine all those specialties in your practice have been well-received by your patients. What specialties do you offer? Yeah. Yeah. So myopia control has been a big change in our practice over the last like three years and probably the one that I think has brought the most benefit to us as a practice, but most importantly, the patients that we see. Myopia control is something that is optometry and it's Mm -hmm. going to stay ours for as long as we keep doing a good job on it. Myopia control is something that we are changing a patient's life. We are preventing their vision from getting worse. We're preventing the eye from getting worse and we're preventing disease going forward. And one thing about healthcare in general is that there's a lot of politics in it. There's a lot of money in it. And there's a lot of We wait till someone gets sick in order to do something about it. Insurance doesn't pay for preventative care very well. And so we wait till people get sick and then we treat you with medications or surgeries or or procedures because that's what produces the most profit for those companies that make those medications and make the instruments to use the procedures and all that kind of stuff. And so myopia control is really nice because you can do things that aren't overly too complicated. Any optometrist, I think, can learn how to do this pretty easily. And we are preventing blinding diseases for a lot of these kids. And it's such a positive experience at our clinic. 
We see these smiling faces of these kids that do ortho K or they do mycite contacts and they're not wearing these bulky glasses anymore. Right. We're seeing the parents come in and just be so happy that their kids prescription didn't get worse the next year. And on a business side, I mean, it's a very profitable thing to do in the clinic. It's usually out of pocket expenses. Vision plans can't touch it really. And it's also something that you're not going to go and see an ophthalmologist doing. Your primary care doctor is not going to do it. The patient's not going to think that the vision exam at the school is enough for that. The education that comes along with it, it really allows us to be a full doctor to the fullest of our ability, which is nice. And it's just a really positive experience all around. Probably our favorite thing to do at the clinic. And I'd say the thing that has transformed our clinic the most, yeah. honestly. Fantastic. And just briefly mention the other specialties that you do. Um, yeah. yeah. So we do a lot of medical care. I know medical technically might not be considered a specialty, but for some optometry practices, it could be that are just doing general vision plan billing. And with medical, that encompasses a lot. It's, you know, dry eye, it's anterior segment stuff, cornea and lids and lashes and things like that. It's pediatric care, it's retinal care, it's glaucoma, neuro stuff, the, the best of our ability. We pretty much try to do everything except for vision therapy because we just don't have the equipment. And, you know, I'm at least not as comfortable with it as <laughs> other doctors right. are. One big thing is that a lot of the times people will say that, you know, they don't have the money to invest in the equipment to do these specialties. And honestly, you don't need to start buying equipment right away. You can do dry eye with fluorescein strip in your slit lamp and some recommendations. You can do pediatrics with a retinoscope and some colorful lights and toys. And so you don't need fancy, fancy stuff. And then as you do more of it and you start getting better at it, then make the investment in the fancy OCT, make the investment in the IPL or the lippy flow or, you know, those fancy dry eye gadgets and stuff. Yes. Great advice. Just start small and invest back in as the demand for that specialty grows. Exactly. Yeah. yeah you don't have to start anything perfectly or to, you know, the, the highest practicing ability. All you have to do is start, start small and then go from there. You have to start somewhere. Absolutely. You know, we say at Kleinman that the practice should serve both your personal and professional goals. How is that working for you? How is life? It's great. That's yeah, good. <laughs> I'll say that of course, owning the practice and going through all the steps that we have, it's taken a lot of work. It's had its moments of stress, but seeing everything that's come out of it, that's really one of the main things that keeps us in it. We've seen a, a lot of improvement in our team. We promoted our manager from within the practice, and that's probably one of the biggest areas of growth that we've had is that she's taken on a lot. And so because of that, we're able to kind of step back a little bit and our schedule made it so that we can stay home with our little one and, you know, spend days with her. We can have full days of admin time if we need it. Yeah, we're actually um, expecting number two now. Congratulations. So, yeah. Thanks. The climate exclusive. We haven't told really anybody yeah. there yet. So <laughs> you're hearing it here first. That's wonderful news. And we're so honored that you're sharing this very special and personal information with us. And, you know, you bring up the fact that your parents, which can be challenging as business owners. And when you became practice owners back in 2018, you weren't sure about a lot of things. Could you have imagined the amazing growth and fulfillment that you both have accomplished in your practice? Or would that have seemed like a crazy pipe dream back then? I mean, I think we imagined it. 
but we didn't know really the steps that it would take to get there. Yeah. And I guess we, we maybe didn't really understand the work that would go into it because it wasn't, you know, an easy road there. It was work. It was sacrifice. It was failure and picking yourself up when you don't feel you want to at the end of the day. But as you do that more and more, and we started to see the results come, And looking back on where we were now, I don't think either of us would have done it any different way. Yeah. One thing that's really great is, you know, I think setting your goals on where you want is really important. Writing them down is really, really important. And looking at them regularly to remind yourself is important. For me, it's personally, you know, I wanted to be a father. I lost both my parents when I was younger. And so I wanted to create that family atmosphere that I had lost. And I had found my person, right? My wife who's wonderful. And I wanted to start a family in the clinic when we took that over because we got married right when we were purchasing the clinic, it did put a halt to that a little bit because you can't think about having a family and doing that when you have a baby in a clinic. (laughs) Working with Climbing and working with the entire group there and getting our schedules to the point where, like Kim said, we're working two and a half days each now instead of five like we used to. And so on two and a half days during the work week, I'm home with our one and a half year old. I'm watching her grow. I'm there taking her to feed the duckies at the pond by our house. You know, that's the (laughs) moments that I care about. The money is wonderful. The life is wonderful. Being an optometrist is wonderful. But the family stuff, being able to do that is something that I would never trade for anything. Well, Dr. Skiles, Dr. Binstock, I just want to thank you for this very insightful and open conversation about your optometry practice journey. And I wish the two of you the very best as you continue to grow in your practice and as you welcome a new member into your family very soon. Very exciting. Thank you. We appreciate the opportunity. We'll see you guys in November. And shout out to our group. You guys are the best. Game changers. Game changers. Go Game changers. (laughs) And a shout out to all of our great Kleinman Performance Network peer sharing groups. We can't wait to see you at our next meeting. To summarize what we discussed in today's podcast, the Binstocks discovered through Climbing Performance Partners and their peers that finding out what you don't know is a great starting point in creating what you want in your practice. Learning from mistakes shared by peers at the meeting can help you avoid those same pitfalls that are common among practice owners. Writing down and reviewing goals from time to time and learning what your key performance indicator numbers mean are a couple of the biggest steps towards the success of a practice. And systems of staff delegation and setting clear expectations can help to foster a great staff culture for all to enjoy. We hope this podcast was helpful to you and we have a treasure trove of resources for our optometric practice partners at ClimanConnect.com. If you're not a member and you'd like to know more about us and access all kinds of valuable information that can help you grow your practice, visit us at Kleinman.com. I look forward to connecting with you again next month for our next Kleinman Connect podcast, always on the first Wednesday of each month. Remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify so you don't miss an episode. Catch you next time.